In this message, Eric referenced Christmas carols that the congregation sang throughout his sermon. For the purpose of clarity and understanding, we have decided to replace the singing with a reading of the songs. The opening song was, O Come All Ye Faithful. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye, to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Sing, choirs of angels, sing in exaltation. O sing, all ye bright hosts of heaven above. Glory to God, all glory in the highest. Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee be all glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Should I move this over a little bit here? Away from the other microphones. I want to talk this morning about the most special Christmas that I've ever had in my life. But before that, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about what Christmas was like for me growing up. See, I grew up in a home that we didn't go to church, but we celebrated Christmas. Uh, I had no idea what the message of Christmas was, but bits and pieces were scattered all over the place. Um, the most thing I, one of the big things I can remember about Christmas time was my mom baked, and she was a good cook. And um, that's where I learned to be, enjoy being in the kitchen. I, I learned that my place in the kitchen was she would grab things and start making things. And then she'd have this dirty pot she'd just throw in the sink. She'd grab another one. And, of course, they'd be so piled up she couldn't continue until she had another pot cleaned. So my, my job was as soon as she's done with it, it's cleaned up, ready to go. Feed it to her, right? So my place, favorite, favorite place to shop, other than a hardware store, is a kitchen gadget store. Because I can appreciate kitchen gadgets. I've seen them used all my life. But, boy, those smells and the taste of Christmas baking, you know. That's what sticks in my mind. Um, decorating a Christmas tree. We had fun decorating a Christmas tree. We put lights on it. We put tinsel on it. And it had to be the right tree. And my mom was pretty particular about the tree. And she even got us into hand-making these ornaments. So every year we, we all hand-made ornaments. And so we had these custom ornaments that we made. No school was a favorite. And so we were on holidays, so it was like, it was fun. So you look forward to that time of year of holidays. Uh, Christmas music. Everybody's heard Christmas music. I can remember n- not just one year, but going out Christmas caroling, singing the one like the song we just sang and other Christmas songs that we're going to sing this morning. Had no idea of the meaning behind them, but I remember the songs. Um, but, you know, I had no idea what the real meaning was, of Christmas was. Nobody in my family ever explained it to me. And I never asked any questions. Nobody ever asked questions of me. And so I'd like to, as we go through these uh, hymns and think about the message that we see, we're going to rever- um, relate what we sing in the songs to the Word of God and see the truth of the gospel in the hymns and the songs that we sing for Christmas. And my hope is that coming up to Christmas, we can, the people we're around, we can ask them questions. What do you think that means? I mean, that's a, that's a pretty unique phrase there. What do you think that means? If nothing else, it'll get people thinking. 
um, they may not ask the question. I work uh, teaching apprentices as well as journeymen, and this last week we had finals week. We gave them a finals project, and, uh, and they should have known how to do everything. And some, something as simple as uh, installing a hinge in a piece of aluminum. And you'd had some that set it in the right place, but most of them set it in the wrong place. And their answer was, well, you never told us wh- where to put it. And my boss said, you're not supposed to tell them. They're supposed to ask. If you don't know, you're supposed to ask. Besides, they had the material before that. But they weren't prepared for that final. And it wasn't because they weren't given the information. It wasn't because they weren't taught. But it was because they didn't pay attention. They didn't take it to heart, and they didn't realize the importance of it. And so we try to emphasize things, but if somebody's not interested, they're not interested. And so I, I don't want that to be said of us, that we don't emphasize the right thing. I don't want it to be said of my family. I don't want it to be said of your family or your friends or wherever you run in con- come, come in contact with because they don't know the meaning of Christmas. Because we're going to read the Christmas story where there's angels, <laughs> and they make an announcement. Angels aren't making the announcements anymore. It's supposed to be us making the announcements. And that's very important because it's the most important story to tell. And it's a true story. It's the Christmas story. So let's read this passage. And after reading this passage, I'll tell you a little bit about um, my most special Christmas. And then what we're going to do is we're going to sing some hymns, okay, or some Christmas songs. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David, in order to register. Along with Mary, he was engaged to him and was with child. And it came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about when the angels had gone away from from them into heaven that the shepherds began to say to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they they had made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered 
at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The Christmas story. It's really awesome when you think of this story as not a fable. It's not a myth. It is God's truth. A Savior. That would should evoke many, many questions in our minds. A Savior. Savior from what? We're going to talk about that. But I want to talk a little bit about the most special Christmas I've ever had. It was the Christmas of 1981. And this is why it was the most special Christmas. is because in 1981, in February, on the 26th of February, around 1 p.m., I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I went to a Bible study, and someone had the courage to come up to and ask me, do you have time to talk? And the Lord, and I believe this was the Lord, I said, yeah, because as soon as I said that, what went through my mind was, why did I answer so quickly? I know we're going to talk about God, you know? And I wasn't sure I was ready to. But God knew I was ready to, so he had me open my mouth, you know, and let me say the words before I could think about it, which is probably the only time in my life it was good that I did that. But he had the courage to ask me. And then we went downstairs and he said, why did you come to the Bible study? And I simply said, I want to find out what God has to say to me. From the Bible. That's all I said. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. And he shared with me things. He says, okay, we'll take it one step at a time. And the Bible says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He said, do you believe you're a sinner? I said, yeah. He said, you want to keep going? I said, yeah. And he said, and he showed me how it says the wages of sin is death. The second death, the lake of fire. And then he asked me this real heavy question, do you believe you deserve to go to hell? I said, yes. And I didn't have to think very long. And he just looked at me like doubtful, like, yeah, right. This guy's just giving me the answers I want to hear. Because nobody answers that quickly, especially on such a heavy question. He goes, and he was pretty smart. He says, what makes you think you deserve to go to hell? I mean, he's following this up with questions. He's not just taking easy answers. And sometimes we're afraid to do that. We're afraid to follow up with a logical question. And I said, well, just off the top of my head because of this and this and this and this. And I won't bore you with the details. And then he realized, well, maybe he does believe he deserves to go to hell. Because they were some pretty serious sins. Not that there's not a serious sin, but they were what most men think are serious sins. And so I think he was convinced. He said... And then he said, well, what are you doing about it? And I knew I wasn't doing anything about it, which caused me to question whether I really believed what I was saying. So the long story short, he showed me that I needed a Savior. Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, was the only one that qualified to be my Savior. Sinless. A man. God himself. Bearing my sins on the cross. So that I might be forgiven freely as a free gift by grace. And all I had to do is accept it, receive it, believe on him. And I knew at that moment that was a message from God because I got the bits and pieces. I never went to church. Nobody explained it to me. But God sprinkles the pieces to the puzzle in most of our lives here in the United States. One of them is through Christmas carols. 
You can't walk through a mall or someplace without seeing, hearing something. Um, and when I was little, we watched TV as a family. You couldn't watch TV without hearing bits and pieces. And even as distorted as that was, God can preserve just a little piece of it right there and give you the other pieces elsewhere in your life at other times. So I knew that message was from God. But, you know, he asked a question, and I don't know. I was thinking about it this morning. I don't know if he hadn't asked the question whether I would have thought to take that next step at that moment. He said, would you like to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior today? And I thought about three seconds, and I said, yes. Now, if he hadn't asked me that, it might have been seed falling on the road. You know, But he asked. And so, even though people aren't asking, my students weren't asking the right information, we can ask them questions. And sometimes that spurs people to think. So, I got saved in February. And I started to, I had a hunger and thirst for the Word of God. I started to grow spiritually, see changes in my life that that I wasn't responsible for, (laughs) that God was responsible for. But when Christmas came and we started singing the, the carols that we're going to sing, the hymns, it was like my jaw dropped. And I, I looked over the words and I examined the words. They were the same words that I sang when I was young. But now they had meaning. Now I know what they mean. And the, the really thing that startled me with, was with the real, <laughs> what startled me was I thought about it. It's been there all along. I never went to church, but it's been there all along. I didn't know the meaning of Christmas, but God was faithful. He gave it to me. I just wasn't paying attention. Too busy thinking about presents and Christmas trees and lights and vacations and baking or eating what's baked. <laughs> and I was just, I, I, was, I marveled at how every year God is faithful and the message is here. And I wasn't paying attention uh, to the point where I asked questions. What does that mean? Why are we seeing this? What's that mean? I didn't ask. And we're going to find people that won't ask. But if we ask, that's a way to get the message across. So what I'd like to do is uh, look at the, the hymns. We just sang one. I don't know if you remember the words yet, but I'll go over some of them. Um, O come all ye faithful. That's what we sang, right? Okay. O come all ye faithful. I think it's called a stanza, not a, not a verse. Is it right? Stanza? Stanza. Okay, the second stanza down. It says, Yea, Lord, we greet thee. Born this happy morning. Jesus To thee be all glory given, word of the Father, now flesh, now in flesh appearing. Okay, so Lord, yea, Lord, we greet thee. It's talking about Jesus, born as a baby in a manger. He's calling that baby Lord. Lord. Later on we're going to see who that is, is God. God incarnate. God born a baby. And, you know, we don't, we don't uh, exercise giving Christmas presents because, I guess, in my use, we want to make a statement against the commerciality, is that a word, <laughs> of Christmas. 
But I got a Christmas present this year, and it's the best Christmas present I could ever have gotten. I don't even know if the English is right. His name's Buster Hunter. (laughs) He's the joy of my life right now, you know. And when I think of how much I love him and how much when he smiles, it puts a smile on my face. I was playing with him yesterday in the bathroom. We have one of them doctor's scales and slide it back and forth and let him do. He had his fan on there. I go tick, 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 tick. And when it hit his finger, I go like that. And he'd go like this. And he'd look at me. Tick, 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 tick. And then he'd look at me and he was really startled. Now, two months ago, he might have cried after that emotional upset, right? <laughs> but on the third time, he looks at me and he smiles and he's waiting for it. And he looks and he knows it's coming. Now he knows it's a game, you know? Last thing I would want to do is hurt him or make him cry, you know, and I'm protective of him. When I see somebody else, I'm, I'm watching, you know. Imagine God, born a baby. What kind of joy would it be to, to be Mary and Joseph, you know? And I think with Buster, I mean, he's not always going to be that, that bundle of joy. He's going to have some hiccups along the way because of the sin nature, right? But God, born And he was born for a purpose. He was born for a purpose. It says, word of the Father. And I'd like to go to John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word. That's who it's talking about, Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Which brings up the fact that Jesus is God. How many people out there really believe this baby that was born, that we see... uh, modeled in a manger in a lot of these scenes is God. None other than the one who created heavens and earth. It says he was with God and he was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by him and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Jesus Christ created all things because he's our creator. It's in that song. If you look up, well, what does that mean, word of the Father? If you go to the scriptures, you'll find out what it means. And, you know, when I look at Hunter, I know there's a personality in there that's slowly coming to the surface. I'm getting to know him. And God's built into this package a lot of little gifts and talents that we're going to discover what they are as he grows. Imagine the Lord Jesus Christ, a baby, God, in the flesh, And as he grows and you watch him, you find there's something unusual about this baby. He's God. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. In him was life. God, the author of life, of course in him was life. And it was the light of men. You know, a lot of people have an idea, what is life? What is living? Oh, do this, that's living. You know, that's a cheap imitation of life. If we really want to know what life is, And what experiencing true life is, we have to go right to the author of life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he became a man. And he entered the world, not as a man, but as a baby. So he could show us all through, from being a baby to an adult, what it is to really live, if we care to know. And the light shines in darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. That means did not overcome it. He came into a world of darkness. You don't have to do much but read the international news these days to realize we live in a world of darkness. You can't go very far without seeing bits and pieces of it and sometimes huge chunks of it. And he came into this world as light. 
It says, now in flesh appearing. John 1.14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. We beheld the glory of God in the form of a man, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. You don't want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. That's a stupendous statement, isn't it? No one else can say that or back it up. So, as we sing a song, there are, there are questions that should come up. Word of the Father, what's that? Well, we'll go to the Scriptures and look. Well, what is that? Now in flesh appearing, what's it talking about? In flesh appearing. Well, it really, by implication, says that he was around before he took on flesh. All right? Lord, we greet thee. Wow, baby called Lord. Is he a king? No, he's a king of kings. Lord of lords. So with that, what we'll do is I'll invite our very talented group of singers up here to sing the next one for us, okay? And then keep your eyes on the words because we, we want to pay attention to the words. And you're all invited to join in. It's not going to be just them. Hark, the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn king. What um, stanza or verse stuck out to you in that? What stuck out to me was pleased in flesh with us to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel, God with us. You see, one thing I, in, I found out in February was that knowing the Lord Jesus Christ is having a personal relationship with your Creator. He's a person. He can be known. But the startling thing is He is pleased to dwell among men. When I say men, I mean, of course, men, women, and children. He made us for that very thing, to have a personal relationship with Himself. To get to know him throughout eternity will be no small joy. <laughs> there won't be a greater pleasure than one can have than developing a relationship with God. And he's made it all possible. It says, Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. That's quite a statement. God, who is holy, who cannot look upon sin favorably, without having the need for justice to be satisfied through judgment, 
and sinners who rightfully should receive that judgment reconciled. It says in Colossians 1, 19 through 23, it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. All the fullness of deity in the Lord Jesus Christ. 100% God, yet 100% man. And through Him to reconcile all things to Himself. Only through the Lord Jesus Christ can anyone be reconciled with God throughout all the ages. All things to Himself. Having made peace through the blood of His cross. So there's the gospel. There's good news that He's made peace between us and God through the blood of His cross. What does that mean? I mean, when you think about it, if you're a Christian and you've been to church for years, you've heard that statement before. I never went to church. You know, what does that mean? You'd have to explain that to me. Very simply put, the wages of sin is death. Because I'm a sinner and God's holy, He must judge my sins. And, he, and my sins will be judged. Make no mistake about that. Because God is holy and he can't sweep sins under the carpet. Some people think it's God's job to forgive. It's not. It's not. God holds the prerogative to forgive, but only based on justice. The debt, because of my sins, was death. Without the shedding of blood, there shall be no forgiveness of sins. That shedding of blood is me dying. Me suffering the wrath of God for all eternity, and rightfully so. Or a substitute. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ shedding His blood and thereby making reconciliation between God and me by paying the penalty of my sins. He reconciled me with God. And anyone that chooses to accept that reconciliation through the Lord Jesus Christ It's not just for me. It's not just for a select few. Not for a particular nation. It's for all men at this time. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, which describe me very well, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death. Why? Because death was the penalty, and death is what he paid in my place, in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Anyone in Christ that has received this salvation has perfect standing before God, a flawless holiness that he himself has given based on the blood of Christ. How'd you like to have that for a Christmas present? There's no better gift. There's no better gift. If indeed you come, uh, continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a, uh, a prisoner, or made a minister, excuse me. That if, if indeed you continue in the faith, is not a condition. It's a test. It's a test. It's, if this has really happened to you, like it has for me, when I got saved, my mom said, that's just a fad. He goes all out for these things, but he gets over it. You know, 1981, been quite a few years for just a fad. But the Bible itself says, if you continue in the end, the fact that I am really is confirmation that what happened back there was real. I already knew it. But if anybody else cares to look, there's evidence there. 
It's not a condition that you have to continue to the end. It's if you're real, you're going to. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Anybody know the next title? What is it? Everlasting Father. That's right. Because here it says, Everlasting Lord. What does that mean, Everlasting Lord? Well, we know everlasting is eternal. But we go to Isaiah from which we get that, and it says, it says Everlasting Father. So is the Lord Jesus Christ the same as the Father? You know, and this is one benefit of learning another language. I learned Portuguese, and in Portuguese it's Pai da Eternidade. It's Father of Eternity is what it really means to say. Just like the Father of the gas engine. Well, somebody invented it, and that's called the father of the gas engine, right? Father of electricity. I don't know. Who was it? Thomas Edison? I'm probably showing my ignorance at this point. Is it? Somebody help me here. No? Ben? No? Tell me who it is. Father of electricity. Huh? Okay. I don't know if you heard that, but um, I didn't. But I, I, I got it wrong. But, but I got the right answer right, because I know who the... That's the Lord Jesus Christ, right? He's, he's eternal. He's God. You know, who else is eternal? God. Offspring of the virgin's womb. What's that? Well, we've heard stories of that, haven't we? We see it in Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38. The story reads, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent to God, from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. We all know her name. Mary, right? She was engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she, said, Great, uh, but she was greatly troubled at the statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the Lord said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will, be, uh, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. See, Joseph wasn't his father. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has, been, has, conceived, uh, has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who is called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word, and the angel departed from her. Born of a virgin, according to God's plan. God, or the Lord Jesus Christ, he was fully human, but he didn't inherit the human nature. <laughs> he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Philip said in John 14, he said to the Lord, Lord, show us the Father. And it is enough for us. He wanted to see God. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me 
has seen the Father. How do you say, show us the Father? Show us God. Jesus said, you haven't seen him yet? Have I been with you so, so long that you haven't seen? He said, look at me, see God. <laughs> Jesus, see the Godhead, the Godhead see. It says, there was the true life, the true light which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Born of God. God came to earth in the form of a man. To his creatures, the ones he had made. To the ones that he provided for all their lives. Their environment, their food, their sustenance, their emotional needs, physical needs, spiritual needs, should they choose to recognize their need. And he wasn't recognized. You know that happens today. People don't recognize who Jesus is. That's who he is. He's God. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Born of God. Born again. I know that term has been overused and abused and distorted. And I think that isn't by accident. But Jesus said, unless one is born again, he shall not enter the kingdom of God. The second birth, the spiritual birth. Buster's been born the first time. Physical birth. He needs the second birth. He needs to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. And I hope to be able to share that with him one day. And I'm sure his father and mother will beat me to the punch. But I still got to do it. Let's sing another song, Joy to the World. Is that the next one? It should be. Joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace, and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. It doesn't take much to look around us to recognize the curse in various ways. We read about it in Genesis chapter 3. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Well, this song seemed to me to be a song of rejoicing. And the reason being is that Jesus came 
to reverse the effects of the curse in our lives and even in the earth. And upon his return, we're going to see it in a very real way, those that know him. It is a reason for rejoicing. The curse. Doesn't take long to experience what that curse is, does it? I mean, if you're a gardener, it comes to mind real quick. If you're a cook, recipes don't always go the way they should. You know, if I'm cutting with a jigsaw, it doesn't always go the way I want it to go. You know, and and you can't help but recognize if God blesses something, there's no problems with it. Things go smoothly. But we mess things up pretty bad by sinning. We all took part of it. And when the Lord Jesus came, God in the flesh, He entrusted His Son to us. A baby with needs that had to be cared for and treated gently. And God found individuals that would do that, but when He became of age, Look what we did to him. We crucified him. We meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And so really, you only lie on two sides. Those that crucified the Son of God are those that have, been repent- that have repented and have been forgiven because they confessed their sins. The world rejected the Lord Jesus Christ and all of us began in that circle of rejection. The only way out by accepting the Lord. And he can, reserve, he can reverse the curse in your life. Sadness and sorrow. He can give you joy. He can make you look forward to His return. No matter how bad things get in this world, that joy cannot be taken from you because it's given by Him. Joy to the world. To those men with whom he is pleased. He's pleased with those that believe him when he says that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only Savior. Have you received him? Let's sing another song. This is O Little Town of Bethlehem. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep, dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wandering love. O morning stars together proclaim the holy birth and praises sing to God the King and peace to men on earth. How silently, how silently, The wondrous gift is given, so God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the heavenly angels sing, the great glad tidings dwell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, O oh Lord Emmanuel. We read, or we sang, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. It talks about the Lord Jesus Christ being a gift. 
Where does that come from? It comes from John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world. But that the world would be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe in him has been judged already. Because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the judgment, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil. The gift of God, it's a gift that God still holds out. And if you're here this morning and you haven't received that gift, he's holding it out to you. Why not make this Christmas the Christmas that you received? The best possible gift ever. Eternal life. The Lord Jesus Christ. And with the gift comes a warning. To those that don't. To those that won't. Receive him. In God's eyes they're judged. They're judged because he has offered up his son. And in not accepting his son. They're rejecting his son. And they claim all the responsibilities for crucifying the Lord Jesus Christ. There are those that would rather walk in darkness than come into the light. But God can change the hardest of hearts. And he still offers time to repent. At least today. He doesn't promise tomorrow. Jesus says in Revelation, we can apply this verse here, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. Jesus is real, and he's coming back. And all the world will see how real he is. And every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That will happen in a real way. But you can invite him in to your heart. Receive him as your Lord and Savior, and know what it's like to have a personal relationship with God. Every day, more special than the one before. I'll let the very talented singers close with the songs that they would like to sing and then uh, I'll come up and close in prayer afterwards. Silent night. Silent night, holy night. All is calm, all is bright. Round young virgin mother and child. Holy infant, so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. Glories stream from heaven afar, heavenly hosts sing Alleluia. Christ the Savior is born, Christ the Savior is born. Silent night, holy night, Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Silent night, holy night. All is dark, save the light. Yonder where they sweet vigils keep. Over the babe who in silent sleep. Rests in heavenly peace. Rests in heavenly peace. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you so much for recording all this in your word that we might have it. What a message, what a gift. We thank you for it. 
We do pray. I pray if there's anyone in this room that hasn't received the Lord Jesus Christ, that this year might be the year that they bow the knee, receive you, and know what it is to know you. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be sensitive to who you might have us speak to about this wonderful message. Help us to be perceptive in asking good questions. Lord, that we might be used of you. Lord, we thank you so much, so much for your gift. In Jesus' name, amen.